From Motherwell Football Club, I'm Andy Ross, and this is a longer listen. Today I'm joined by Motherwell captain Peter Hartley to talk us through his role as captain at the football club and take a look back at his two and a half years at Fir Park. Peter, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure's all mine, mate. Your time at Motherwell's certainly been eventful. Two and a half years here, you're into your second season as captain as well. Recently achieved your 50th appearance for the club. How would you summarise your time at Fir Park so far? Um, there's there's been a lot of ups and downs for me. Um, you know, I started on a crest of a wave, unbelievable. I've, you know, um, two cup finals, fantastic, great group of lads. Um, we just we just hit the ground running. We were rolling over teams, so to speak. We had a um, a way of playing that was hard for teams to deal with. And from a personal point of view, I feel like I came in. I was. I just took to it like a duck to water. What the gaffer wanted me to do, I felt like uh, I followed them instructions to the to the T. Then come to the winter time, and um, I had a foot problem, and it gradually deteriorated. Um, I had a couple of weeks rest. Uh, physio's advice went and seen specialist. Said it will settle. Let it, tried to let it settle. Got back into training. I think it was we were playing Partick Thistle away on the Saturday, and I trained on the Friday. And I was chomping at the bit to get back in the teams. I hate missing training all games. Um, and I've just pushed off and pop, bang, foot's gone. That's it. I knew. I knew from the minute. So, you know, that was mentally really tough the first couple of weeks. Um, you know, it's especially up here on my own, the apartment looking at four walls, like very mentally tough. Got got over that period and then couldn't get back in the team. Rightly so, to be honest. Um uh I worked really hard in training, but I just knew, you know, I, I was I was in out the gaffer's door like a yo-yo. Um, but ultimately, I knew it was it was me. I needed to look myself in the face and realise I, I wasn't at the level I was at when I signed for the club through injury. Um, nothing I didn't do in rehabilitation. Nothing I didn't do with how hard I worked to get back. How hard I worked in training. There was just a little bit missing, and I knew, I knew there was a bit missing. So. Um, I went away in the summer, worked really, really hard, got me weight down. Obviously, I'd, I'd done a lot of gym work, so I got me weight down to a, to where around about where I was at when I signed for the club. Because obviously, when you're injured, you're in the gym a lot. You're doing weights. You you put a lot of muscle on, and I felt like I'd lost that yard with a with the muscle again. So um, got me weight down, and you no know, gaffer, give me an opportunity. You know, I started the season on the bench, give me an opportunity, and uh, I feel like I've I've took it with both hands and. It's, you know, Charles Dunn isn't far away from being fit. Bevis Mugabe's uh, Ugandan international, very good centre-half. Declan Gallagher, Scotland international. I've got to be on my toes. I'll be a captain of the football club, you know. There's, uh, there's competition for places throughout the team and I know one bad game, I'm I'm back where I was five, six weeks ago on the bench and I don't want to be on the Judy Dench. It, it ruins my Saturday. <laughs> it's, it was such a contrast, wasn't it? Because you got your first goal in the win against Aberdeen in the Betfred Cup quarter-final. He scored three goals in the next four games, including a goal at Aki's and a win at Aki's as well. So obviously a significant victory. We would go on to win the semi-final. You would play in the final. The aftermath of the, the spoof video that went completely yeah. viral as well. For it all to then suddenly come to such a, a screeching halt, you've experienced all those highs and then... You're not the forgotten man, but you're you're on the sidelines watching on when previously you've been such a big part. How does that affect your, your mentality? Um, 
I, I, I look at myself and I see myself as a very mentally strong person, but it affected me massively. Um, it was tough because you want to play and you're telling people you're okay, but you know there's there's something missing from your game. So um, the way I dealt with it was I stripped everything away. I went back to basics. Five yard passes, ticks and crosses. I just every day in training, I tried to collect as many ticks as I could than crosses. And over time, your confidence builds up. And when that builds up, yeah, your leadership skills come out because I went in a shell when I was coming back from injury. I was concentrating on myself and I stopped doing what I was good at, which is making everyone around me better because that makes my job easier, do you know? So I am. Um, uh, my, my leadership skills came came back naturally because it's, it's always been with me. I've, I've always been a talker. I always tried to help people. It's just ingrained. It's the way I am. I can't change it. Like I always try and treat people the same way. And, and that came back and that helped me because my confidence grew with, and then playing Gaffer gave me two games in the group stage, beginning of the season, scored a goal, two clean sheets, um, played with Charles and Declan. So I'm thinking I'm not far off. I'm, I'm, I'm in a better position now than I was when the season ended. So, you know, I've, I've made, I broke it down. I was like, right, we made two steps forward here. Let's see what we can do. And then um, Hamilton, I think we got beat off hearts 2-1 on the Friday night and Gaffer pulled me on the Tuesday after and said, you've got a chance to start on Saturday and make sure you train well. And I did and I played and I know Grant's going to say it was an own goal, but I'm taking that goal against Hamilton. I know they've, they've said I've, I'm only on one, but that's my goal. I'm on, I'm on two. I'm on two. <laughs> well, that's actually my notes for later on. I'm not having that was an own goal either. Nah, <laughs> I, I don't care. Like I, I've I've connected with the ball first and get a tick Gogic on the win. It's it's keeper might save it, but it's still hitting the target. I don't. It's my goal. We'll get the appeal in later on. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about your first season and the fact that you spent the second half of that injured during the summer. Though you were made captain of the football club. That must have been a big boost for you after a lot of time on the sidelines. How big an honour was that to be asked to to take over the captaincy? Uh, massive. Um, I take I take great pride in in being captain of such a great group of lads, uh, as well as this football club. And don't get me wrong, I put a lot of pressure on myself to to help go out my way sometimes, which I probably shouldn't, but I feel like that's just the way I am to help people. Um, foreign boys in the summer couldn't drive, picking them up. I'm not the only one, other boys have done it, but I felt like it was it was my my duty to to help boys settle in quick because the quicker boys settle in, the easier it is to adapt, adapt the better performances we get on the pitch. And, you know, we've got a lot of leaders in our dressing room, albeit I'm captain, there's four or five captains in the dressing room and I feel that, that's the reason we've been so successful, but we do know there's there's a long way to go. But um, I remember in that summer, I didn't know and I hadn't had a conversation with the gaffer about the captaincy, but I, I spoke a lot with Carl McHugh because I'm quite close with him. Um, and I was with my son in the park back home and he rang me and he was quite emotional. He was, um, he had an honest conversation. He was like, as a friend, not as Pete, I want you to be the captain, but, Pete, I don't know what to do in this situation. Can I have some advice? Which I've known Carl for years and, you know, and um, he just basically said, I think it's affecting me game and and stuff. And and I disagreed. I said, mate, it, being a captain of a club, because I've done it in the past at different clubs, it's not it's not like a switch you can flick. It's something you grow into. And 
all these things you've gone through now, next season, you'll grow from and you'll be a better captain. But um, Carl's decision was to concentrate on his own game. Um, nothing would change the way he was in the dressing room because he's a leader, leader of men. But um, and and then the obviously he he had the whatever conversation he had with a gaffer, and then the gaffer pulled four or five of us: me, Charles Dunn, um, Richard Tate, and I believe there was one more I can't remember. And he just basically said, "Oh, boys, do you agree?" It should be captain, and and everyone was absolutely fine, and we just went from there really. But it was quite an uh, a difficult situation because I was I started, I've never felt with or without the armband, I've never felt like I should be automatically given a place in the team. I feel like you have to earn it, and I, I think a lot of people would back me with the way I train. I feel like I earn the right to play on a Saturday, and sometimes I don't. But um, that's the way I train is the way I play. Um, so it was quite a difficult situation because I started the team as I started in the team that season as captain. But deep down, looking back now after what I've been through the last season, I wasn't ready to play. I, I, I wasn't paying. I, I was paying free, injury wise, but physically, I was. I wasn't at the level I'm happy with to walk out and and be comfortable with um, not letting anybody down. And that's the biggest thing. Every game's a blank canvas, but ultimately you don't. The last thing you want to do is let your teammates down. If I'm not right, and I think I'm going to be a, a burden on on the result of the performance, I'd say the gaffer don't don't play me. And ultimately he changed it, and it worked. So does that demonstrate that the role of captains kind of evolved, perhaps in the last twenty years or so? You look at guys like Tony Adams, guys like Steve Bruce, who were leaders of men, but they were also one of the first names in the team sheet, they had to be there. Uh, they inspired on the park and off the park. They were almost the, the gang leader type thing. It was the You couldn't actually have a Manchester United or an Arsenal without their captain. Yeah, um, I think the game's evolved a lot of as, since I've been a professional, played week in, week out, which was 10 years. Um, I think it was more you led with fear then and the youngsters you kick off the park because ultimately they were taking your place. So you would keep people in the lane, so to speak. Where the way we have it, well, the way I, I, I try and help move it in this direction with term, uh, with regards to lean by example and letting personalities come out. Young boys, James Scott and Cheryl and Sadoff, different people from different countries. That's single personalities, you know, don't don't let anyone feel like they can't express themselves in the dressing room because you have more than one face. You know, you've got your you've got your coming to work face, you've got your your face with your family, and then you've got another face what only you see. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where we don't want anyone else to see. And the more we can let people express themselves you get to know people more, you get to know people's families and you're just comfortable. And when you're comfortable and you're happy off the pitch, you generally play better on. So that's that's the way I've seen it. And um, you know, it's been tough to get to, to understand what I'm, the, the where I'm at right now with terms of how I want to be a captain because I've played for a lot, quite a few football clubs and especially as a youngster, I had Roy Keane as a manager. He's, he's one of the greatest captains of all time, but even as a manager, he... He definitely, he led by fear, so to speak. You're a very intimidating person. And you mentioned the young players. There must be an extra responsibility. There's a lot of talented young players at the football club. They've got to be allowed to express themselves and show what they can do without that fear factor. 
they will make mistakes they're young boys but we've seen time and time again at Fir Park young boys coming into the team and flourishing yeah definitely and you know that's that's credit to how comfortable they are around the experienced first team boys and um, to be fair it's Un- unbelievable group of youngsters that we're bringing through at the minute. I mean, I could sit here for about 10 minutes and reel names off. Even Ross, who's training with us at the minute, he's not far away. And he's he reminds me a lot of Louis Moult. He's got that um, little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Like he knows he's a, he's a, what strikers should have, you know, a bit of arrogance, but in a good way. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the youngsters at the minute have been f- phenomenal and we'll keep bringing them through. The centre-halves pushing... I mean, I'm 31. I've got two centre halves, David Devine, Yusuf Hussein, who I haven't even mentioned, who are going to be top top players. And I genuinely think in two or three years to come, they'll be the partnership of this football club. In terms of what type of leader are you, what have you taken from your previous clubs and previous captains? Have they moulded you? Is there a certain individual that's almost inspired you? Um. <clears throat> I've always tried to be myself. I've took bits what I think would help me along the way, but I've never tried to be something I'm not. In the past, maybe I have when I was a little bit younger and naive. I mean, I got the captaincy at Hartlepool when I was 22 and I played centre-half with a 37-year-old, Sam Collins, great guy. And Neil Cooper's decision was to take the captaincy off him and give it to me in the middle of a season. So it was very hard for me to deal with, but I felt like I grew from that. Um, I think the biggest thing what helped... My, my frame of mind and my character more than anything is um, I'd say the transition it's, it's when I was a young boy at Sunderland um, with when Roy Keane got the job it was a sink or swim mentality but he, he was ruthless he didn't he didn't care if you were 17 or 30 he, he told you how it was deal with it sink or swim you know and there was actually times I'd <clears throat> I went home and broke down because I didn't know how to deal with it I was a young kid trying to learn my trade and, and he was he was ruthless. So there was times I'd go home and cry, I'm not gonna lie, like to my parents and like I I don't know how to deal with this. Like he's obviously it's Roy Keane, everything he says I'm gonna do. But it's the way he said it to you. And you just learn to deal with it, you adapt and um you grow as a person, you find out who you are. And when you know who you are, you can then be more comfortable around other people. Do you understand what what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So um as a young kid it was quite hard with with other managers like Roy Keane. And obviously um, when I went to Hartlepool and I got the responsibility I did at such a young age, I had to, I had to learn quick. And Sam Collins was fantastic, really, really good with me. Um, obviously he was coming towards the end of his career. I played with him for two years, great partnership. And he just said, listen, it's a gaffer's decision, but between me and you, nothing changes. We've got a good partnership. Let's make sure and anything you need, obviously lean on me for it. And I did and Sam was great with me. And then obviously moving on, to, to Stevenage. I had Graham Wesley um, as a manager who's albeit people I don't I don't want to be negative but people give him a lot of stick for his football side of things but as a leader as a person there's no one more successful you'd want to to learn from because as a businessman he's top chain successful and he does speeches for people so the, I was like a sponge when I was there the football side didn't quite work out but as a person it was amazing to learn from how how determined and focused and, and driven he was every day was was phenomenal. You've mentioned that Carol actually spoke to you before you took on the captaincy here. You've replaced someone mid-season as well. How difficult is it then to 
to go into the dressing room. It sounds like Motherwell that it was a, a unanimous choice and a, a natural progression. But but during the season to do it, that that sounds like potentially something that could completely disrupt the flow of the dressing room. It did. A Hartley pro, you mean? Mm. Oh, yeah, we got relegated. It did, without knowing, subconsciously. You disrupted everything. Because there was... Looking back now, at the time, I didn't think it. I thought everything was fine. But looking back, there was... There was um, little groups in the dressing room everywhere. And, you know, there was boys from Yorkshire. I, was, I got on with everyone. I'm obviously open book. But boys from Yorkshire who would have a car school. And, you know, there was little groups everywhere. And there's so many factors added together to obviously resulted in relegation um so it was just a situation what i wouldn't say the captaincy was a be all and end all of what happened at the end of the season but it was just a factor that added to the sinking ship and uh, it wasn't a great feeling obviously it was a i'm from hartlepool i'm a hartlepool united fan i had season tickets for years before i turned professional i used to go with my uncle when i was three year old and now i'm captain of this club that's got relegated so that was ultimately my decision where I needed to get out of the town, which is was my decision to to go to London, Stevenage, because I felt like my personal life, my relationship, um, my friends, you know, I, I couldn't really go anywhere. I got in altercations with people, went just going out for food, and it got to a stage where I thought I, I I don't really need this. I need to concentrate on one thing. If I want to, if I want to have the best career I can possibly have. I need to be fully focused on football and that, not let all these other distractions, you know, contribute towards how I'm going to play on a Saturday. Yeah. So that was my decision to move. And just finally on the captaincy, what would you say your, your hopes and ambitions are as captain of Muddle Football Club? Um, good question. My hopes and ambitions as captain of Motherwell Football Club would probably be to finish as high as possible this season, but take the to take the points in, in the league out of things. From a personal point of view, this might sound really stupid or cheesy, but I want to see everyone be successful in the team. You know, there's players that can go to serious levels. Like, I wish one thing I've got on their side, a lot of our players, which I wish I had, is time and this coaching staff because they've, the, the structure we play with and the information we get and... Back in the day, I used to make a pass and not realise why I'm making that pass, but now I understand the reason behind certain things like that. But I'd definitely say the the boys being as successful as possible and not taking this for granted would would be one of my goals to make them understand that this is this is a special place to be right now. And um, if we can finish in the top top six and push you know to a top tier of the table, it'd be it'd be fantastic achievement um, from a personal point of view. You talked about the structure of the football club and the, the coaching structure as well. How big a part has figures like Stephen Robinson been in your time at Motherwell? He's obviously handed you the captaincy. He brought you to the football club. He's clearly a significant part. Yeah, without, without a doubt. The, the funny thing is, like, from, from when I signed here to today and now sitting here, because the gaffer's really young as a manager, and I've been here for like two and a half, three seasons, I've seen him grow and change and... And he's not so much his philosophy because I think it obviously you always add and tweak things, but you, you see the coaching staff staff grow and get better and and you can see the wanting to learn and the learning new things, trying to add new things into the team and um adapt to certain players and stuff like that. And if you see them with the enthusiasm and and you know, the way the gaffer literally plans everything, like poor uh, pre match meetings, you know, everything inside out. 
you literally you know what you need to do on the pitch against that team you're playing against. And for that to be so detailed, I think that rubs off on I mean we do sometimes we don't leave until half three, four in the afternoon. We're doing gym sessions and no one complains. Not one player will say, oh, man, come on, like what's like and it's it's off the fact that the manager's probably at six, seven on a night working on the session the next day and, and with the staff and meetings and you know everything behind it has a reason. He doesn't just do something for the sake of it. And that's something I've learned the longer I've been here. I mean, there was times when obviously I've not been happy with decisions, but when you sit back and look, you're like, well, actually, you know what? That, that made sense. Do you know what I mean? So, How significant is, is your role as captain then in terms of perhaps acting as a go-between between some of the more disgruntled players, whether that be having personal problems, whether they're not playing? And the manager, it seems from, from speaking to him a few weeks ago that it's a pretty open-door policy he has, but is there times where you have to intercept and, and perhaps take some of the, the heat out of the situation? Yeah, well, we've got a really, really young team. Um, boys have played a lot of games in the team, like with regards to football games, but the, the actual age of the squad's quite young. I think Trevor Carson's the oldest player in the team and he's, he's a month older than me and I'm 31, he's 31. That's that's crazy. So the, the young boys, obviously the gaffer, and I do believe he, he's right, it is an open-door policy, but still as a young player, you know what it's like going to see the manager sometimes. It's... It's a bit intimidating. <clears throat> so the, a lot of the young boys would just tongue in cheek ask me, "Oh, what, what, what about? Are we doing this? Or what, what's the plan with this and that?" And then I'd just go and see a gaffer and, and get the plan, or ask if maybe we could start a little bit later for certain reasons on one day or two. And he's great. He, he's never. It's never like that's the plan. If you don't like it, lump it. He always adapts to to help everyone. So obviously, happy environment. You you, you want to work harder, don't you, for for the manager? Hey, how does the offer of free beer sound to you? Yes, free beer. Thanks to our friends at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to Beer52.com forward slash MFC, pay the postage, and what's more, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's a total of ten free beers. Beer52.com forward slash MFC. Tell me a bit about you starting off in the game... As a youngster, how did you see your, your career progressing? Was football was the, the one and only or was there other options there? Oh, man, that's how long have you got? This is crazy. <laughs> um, right, so I actually, I've come right through the system with Trevor Carson. Um, he come over as a young boy from Northern Ireland and we were both at Sunderland together, 15, 16-year-olds. And then we got, we got scholarships. Um... And we, I had a tough first year. I was a sponsored giveaway. It was like a hot potato of the football. It was just 100 mile an hour constantly. And it took me time to adapt. Uh, Trevor was technically fantastic. You know, big physical keeper. All the attributes to go to, to be a serious goalkeeper. So Mick McCarthy at the time, I think Trevor was getting on the bench as a 16, 17 year old in the championship. Like unbelievable, unheard of. A goalkeeper as well. Where me at the other side of things, I'm on the bench for the under 18s. I can't even get a sniff. Do you know what I mean? So um, it got to the stage where um, going into that second season, it was, I was just, I knew I didn't really have any raw attributes with regards to power pace, not really genetically gifted with anything extraordinary. So I knew that just have, you've got one cracker, you've got a year left of you. Let's just work as hard as you can, see what happens. So um, I don't know if you remember a player called Chris Brown. 
he was at Sunderland in the day. I used to go in at half seven in the morning, do swimming with him. Um, and uh, the S&C coach at the time. And then I just work, I just made sure everyone seen me work really hard. Like I was just always in high lines. Um, and then I got an opportunity to play in the reserves one one day and it was quite a strong, um, you know, like a mix back in the day where you'd have a lot of first team players in the reserves. So it was a mix and we played Aston Villa at Villa Park and they had a strong team out as well. And I had the game of my life. It was, honestly, I was ping and die. Like it was just surreal. First time I played at a stadium like Villa Park, no fans are, but like, pff, you can hear everyone shouting, but I'm just buzzing, I'm at Villa Park. Anyway, um, Mick McCarthy pulled me and Trevor in, end of the season. And I think there was nine of us boys up and we both got pros, one year pros. And then the cycle starts again because you've only got one year to prove yourself. So people, you think you've made it, you, you've never made it because I've got six months left of this football. I've got six months to prove myself. I'm 31 year old. It's it's a vicious cycle, but that's that's what I say. Like I always joke about um, with, with Trev and, and other players, if I say I'd, I'd never push my son into football because mentally you've got to be so tough. But I'd never say no, but I'd, I'd never say like, this is everything because ultimately there's so many of avenues you can be successful at, but you've got to be so mentally tough to, to be a footballer. Yeah, it certainly seems like a career littered with, with setbacks. With the life of a professional footballer, there's a, a dip in the road just around the corner almost every turn. Can you remember your your first setback in football? Um, yeah, I got released at Sunderland. Uh, Roy Keane released me. Um, I, I made my debut in the championship, played 20 minutes against Leicester. Um, come in, that was New Year, and then I had a bit of it. I had a hip operation, so I was out for the rest of the season after that. I got on a couple of benches, but never really materialised. Obviously, I had a year left on my contract because I'd signed a two-year. After proving myself after a one-year pro, I signed another two-year. Um, I had a year left on my contract, come in, worked really hard with a reserve team for six months, and then went on loan to Chesterfield. Obviously, we've been promoted to the Premier League, so he's signing Johnny Evans on loan and on Ferdinand Nine Miller. I'm, I'm a 19-year-old. I'm, I ain't got a chance. You know, so I go out on loan to Chesterfield in League Two, play left back. Not ideal, but it's games. I'm not a left back, obviously, but um, got games and then come back in end of the season. And I remember the reserve. Our season finished in in League Two, so I had to come back in. And the Premier League had a a week left to run, and the Resies had got in a Durham Cup county final or something and um i trained for four days and then i was playing in this final at a stadium of life against gateshead or something like that. i remember i think it was gateshead and we ended up winning the final 2-1 but it felt like a defeat because we played rubbish and i was horrific because in my mentally i'd switched off because my season finished last week why i'm i've just been in a first team why am i playing resis next week big mistake on my behalf looking back but at the time Obviously, 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid, I've just played first team. Why am I in the, you know, he's egotistical, but um, Roy Keane just in the dressing room roasted me. Obviously, I'm one of the oldest lads in, in the squad at the time. It was very young, strong reserve team with the players, Champions League final winners now, you know, but um, he roasted me. And then the next, I was out of contract that summer, pulled me in the next day, released me. We still had another week left to train, but released me, said, listen, it's not going to happen type of thing. Uh, you know, we, you, in a nice way, you play games in the first team, go and try and make a career for yourself type of thing. And then I had a week left of training, so I just worked really hard and trained. I thought, oh, West K, what's, you know what I mean? It is what it is. 
being released. Um, obviously, I had an agent at the time. He's ringing around. I think Sammy McElroy was at Morecambe begging for contracts at Morecambe. Like, you wouldn't believe. Um, and two or three days later, he, I was in the gym and the, um, the equivalent of Roscoe here, matching out, what's, what's the match analysis? Yeah. The equivalent of Roscoe come in the gym. He was called Boise or something. It was like, oh, Gaff won't see you upstairs. Pulled me in his office and he just said, listen, obviously I've had a couple of days to think about it. Um, I released a lot of, lot of young boys, but I think you're Warren. I've spoke to the reserve coach and a couple of other players, Neil Bailey, it was at the time. He said, I think, I think you warrant uh, another chance, another contract. And then it was basically, I think you warrant another contract. Chief executive will sort everything out. That was it. Not reason why, not reason why. Never went in, never ever went into detail. It was like, this is it. There's a door. Whether it's good news or bad news. And I'm just thinking, like, as a, looking back, you understand why Roy Keane was the way he was. Now we led a, a dressing room, we led, but... At the time, like, I was just sat in his office, like, I was shaking, like, uh, but obviously got another year. And I, 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 feel, I genuinely feel like I got very fortunate because Neil Bailey was my reserve manager and he was a fantastic coach. Like, you wouldn't believe, brought me on leaps and bounds in such a short space of time. And it helped me, I think I was 20 at this time, but it helped me train him with Jack Colbach, Trevor Carson, Jordan Henderson, David Myler, uh, Martin Waghorn, Jordan Cook, unbelievable youngsters, like crazy ability. So all these kids that have got massive reputations and Sunderland are thinking very highly of them were battering the reserve teams week and week out. I'm in that team. So I'm seeing things they're doing. I'm learning all like from kid, people younger than me, but I've always felt like I needed to catch up because I've never been gifted with anything apart from a loud mouth, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and it used to get me into trouble when I was younger, but it doesn't know. But it's evident as well that a lot of that's based on hard work as well. You, many could have just walked away when they were released, put the head down and kind of have a pity party type thing, but instead you knuckled down, you continued to work hard and it was recognised. Is it important that young footballers recognise that being released isn't the end? There's there's going to be other opportunities for for the majority anyway if they continue to, to keep pushing in the right direction and, and working hard. Yeah. Um, I just think like... I don't want to use the term one door shuts, another one opens because it's not as easy as that. If that was the case, you'd be like, you, you wouldn't be bothered. But I think you've got to feel that, a pain of working hard for something and it not happening. You know how hard you've worked, but if you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Like, you hold your hands up, but you don't stop working hard. You can't change. If you've got hard work ingrained in you, I think you're going to be a lot more successful than someone that's been naturally gifted with ability. Don't get me wrong, if you combine them two, you've got a serious player, but... Um, it's just the way I've been. I, I can't even explain. I don't even really know. I know me, me dad, crazy, crazy hard worker, but um, it's just one of them things. I, even at school, I used to always try and win everything, but it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm a winner. I just worked as hard as I could. I did never win every, everything, you know, but just one of them things. I just enjoy, enjoy working hard. That was certainly evident when you arrived at the club and the fans took to you almost instantly, didn't they? they? There was a lot of fanfare about you. Scenes of celebration when you you made your move permanent. How important is a, a relationship with the fans? Particularly, you've moved to Scotland for the first time. You've up sticks, you've moved away from home. Did the fans help make that transition a bit easier? Without a doubt. I think what helps is it's a working class club. Like Everybody in the club works hard, whether 
God, I can name everybody, but really, you can see they work really hard at what, what their specific job is, whether it's a chef or a, a media guy or a cleaner. You can see they work really hard and they take pride in what they do. And I think I come from a working class background in a working class town, similar to Motherwell, very similar. So it's like home from home, so to speak. So I settled in really, really well. And what helped me is uh, I knew the dressing room, so I knew I could be myself. I knew, I knew players in the dressing room. And then I just thought, you know, like I said earlier, every game is a blank canvas. So if you just go out there and give everything you've got, you might play rubbish. You might give 20 balls away, but still get on the next ball and see if you, you can try and make something happen or try and block the next shot. And I just feel like, listen, I'm not, I'm perfect. I'm not the best player ever, but I try really, really hard every game and, and try and win me battle against a player I'm playing against, whether it's, you know, tackles, headers, and I think the fans appreciate that. And we've got a lot of players in the team like that. You know, Richard Tate, Grimmy, Declan, uh, Alan Campbell. Pff, Alan Campbell, what a player. Do you know what I mean? He's, he, he could go through three midfielders and not even just brush them off. Like, we've got we've got a squad. The core of the team is like that. And I think that helps the the players, um, the, the match winners, so to speak, do what they need to do. And I think the fans appreciate that. There's clearly a battle within the squad. You've already mentioned the personal battles that you've got with the likes of Bevis, Declan Gallagher. Last season, you weren't winning those battles. You spent a fair bit of the season on the sidelines. You kind of, from following you from afar, you saw a lot of gym work and boxing, uh, also a few side projects that you had going on. Did your mindset shift away from football for a bit? Did you, did you feel you lost a bit of direction? No. Nah. No, definitely not. Um, it's the first thing, the first thing I think about every day is is training. That's how. That's it. Like little bits of side projects and stuff like that. They are what they are. Everyone has their own little thing, you know. I think Grimmy's got a clothing range, and but for me personally, it's it was just like I said. Yeah, I was trying to be as honest as I could earlier when we spoke. I knew I had more to give. I just needed to get to that level again, and I knew if I get to that level, I'll be fine. And do you know what? If 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 I work as hard as I can and I still can't, don't get picked to be in the team, I'm like, I look myself in the mirror, do you know what I mean? Well, at the time I was getting in the team and I sort of knew uh, there was more to go and I couldn't find it. I think my end goal changed as time went on because my end goal was, you know, I've just been given the captain, so you think, oh, wouldn't this be great, wouldn't it? You know, you, you use your imagination and it flies away. Oh, imagine winning a trophy, imagine. And then all of a sudden, can't even get in the team. I'm captain, so I've got a... I've got to then put the ball away <clears throat> with regards to Charles Dunn, Bevis Mugabe last week. I put the ball away and treat these people as friends because first and foremost, I try and put my teammates first before me. So, I, albeit Charles was in the team ahead of me, Tom Aldred in the team ahead of me, Bevis played ahead of me last week. It doesn't affect, I don't, it doesn't affect my relationship with these guys. Like, I'll do anything for Charles. He knows that anywhere. Bevis, Bevis knows. He's top, top guy. He knows exactly where we are. And obviously Tom Aldred got on with them really well. I, all I could do was control the controllables, do everything I can do. You then get back into the team at the start of the season. You score the goal at Hamilton. Yes, I'm I did. pretty sure the email will be waiting <laughs> later on to, to confirm that. But you get back in, do you suddenly feel a much bigger part of the setup than the Peter Hartley that wasn't playing the previous season or the back end of the previous season? I'd be lying if I said, yeah, you don't battle with yourself every day when you're not playing. Excuse me. Yeah, anyone that says, oh, I'm still the same, it's 
it's a load of rubbish because you've got so many things you've got to deal with when you're not playing. You know, the, the boys win a game and then they win another game and then they win another game. And you're like, where's my next game coming from here? I can't see it. You're looking at the fixture list. Am I getting there? They get beat. Centre-half's played well. Where am I playing? Where am I? At one point, I'd sat down after Christmas last year and I was like, I mean, I'm not going to kick into the ball here. I don't. I genuinely don't think I'm going to get on the pitch because the boys were rolling teams over like there's no tomorrow. And fair play. Like, I was happy, but it's never the same feeling. You come in the dressing room happy for the way the boys have played, but you've not played your, you've not played your part, so there's always something missing. So now roll forward to this season when I've worked hard or hard enough to get my chance and I feel like I've took it to a certain degree or I feel like there's more to come but and I've still got to continue to work hard but you feel when you win you feel like you've earned it's just a sign of relief you like sit down when I was younger I used to jump around the dressing room like I won a cup final now it's just like a, a deep breath like yeah like I earned that do you know what I mean I earned that win type of thing so but it's just it's a better feeling because you see how happy the boys are and you've done it as a team. So it's uh, you definitely feel more like part of the team a lot more when you're playing than, than when you're not, in my opinion. It seems like you've very much thrived in, in that competition. You've got battles going on everywhere, whether that be turn a new contract at the football club, to hold down a place in the team, to continue playing a big part and, and drive the team on to, to further successes with a, a chance at, at Europe. But... The chance of top six looks very, very realistic. So you're fighting in many fronts. You seem to to relish that challenge. Well, I just think you've you've got to concentrate on the job and hand. I can't worry about a new contract. That's out of my control. I can only control what I can do, and that's my performances. Whether what happens happens. All I care about is playing in the in the team and winning games and being successful as a team. And then if you're successful as a team, whether it's top six, whether it's like you said, Europe, whether it's you know, finishing as high as we possibly can, whether it's getting into another cup final at the end of the season, whatever it is, if you're successful as a team, everybody gets rewarded. And just finally, how would you, you reflect in your time at Motherwell? How, is this the most you've enjoyed it in terms of, I know obviously we started and had great success with the cup finals, but you seem to, to really be happy in yourself at the, the club and really thriving in your role as captain. Yeah, for me, this... Um, I've had a lot of coaches, a lot um, in the past. Obviously, I've been at quite Plymouth, Bristol, Stevenage, Hartlepool, Sunderland, Chesterfield. This coaching staff is the most... I'm, I'm, I signed here as a 29-year-old or 28, and I've learned more in this latter stage now, the last two and a half years, than what I've learned in the 10 previously with regards to using your brain as a footballer, being educated on certain passes, certain patterns, um, certain movements, you know, under, understanding everyone else's role in the team because that's massive. Um, knowing where people should be in certain situations in a game, because that's you know, if the gaps everywhere, it could it could isolate you and you could be vulnerable to a, a certain situation you don't want to be in, where one v one or whatever. Um, so yeah, I definitely think I'm really really happy. You know, my fa my family obviously don't live here, but they get up as much as I can. Now I get home as much as I can. Um, football's going well. I train as hard as I can every day. I love the training, training's fantastic. Boys are great. Got a lot of really good friends in the dressing room. Made a lot of good friends this season also, like, you know, Jamma, Jermaine Hilton, Devante, boys that have come in, fantastic lads, like Liam Polworth. Uh, obviously Liam Donnelly's been amazing. So I've got a lot of really good friends and it's a close-knit group. So I'm really happy and I feel like 
this place, uh, this football club at the moment is, you know, to make, I think you're always getting better every day. So to make me a better player, this is, this is a place I really want to be. And leadership is, is clearly a trait that defines you. you. You've mentioned it so many times and I think the way that you, you talk shows that you're a, you're a natural leader. Does that then transcend later on into potentially a, a management role? <laughs> Step at a time. Man. I'm, I'm trying to get another four year on myself. He's put me in the wheelchair already. <laughs> um, uh, listen, I'm doing my bad. Well, I'm on the I'm on the courses in the summer to do my badges, but it's baby steps at the minute. Obviously, I'm trying to learn everything I can from from the coaching staff, and I'm watching things in a different way in training um, than I used to when I was a mid twenties. Uh, now I'm sort of you see you see the finish line type of thing. You sort of try and be a sponge with the coaching side of things, and um, it's something I'd love to do because I feel like I'm. I, I like to help people. I get a good feeling of helping other people. And I think that's half the battle, you know, being a people person and understanding different personalities and characters. But the football side of thing, I'm with regards to being a coach, I'm obviously miles off it because I haven't done any other coaching yet. But I think that's something you can always learn if you've got the if you've got the natural core of understanding people first and then I think you've you've got a chance. But it's it's something I would look at, but I, it's not something I've said yeah 100% I'd love to do that it's it's there at the moment that I'm going to exploit and have the eggs in the basket if something comes up in the future but you know I, I just want to concentrate on football I'm, I'm really enjoying like honestly I really am enjoying my football at the minute so um, long may that continue Peter I've absolutely loved this Tom thank Mark. you very much <laughs> cheers